The Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 136. How can a community vibe enhance an individual's physical activity? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to interview a special guest who will inspire you and encourage you to be the best you can be in your day-to-day life, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the physical activity sector within the sports industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Melissa Khan. Melissa is the founder of Run Heifer Run. Melissa has a really inspiring life story about how running really transformed her lifestyle. And now she has a mission of her own in supporting other people with very similar struggles such as food addiction, sedentary lifestyle, or even that lack of confidence with regards to participating in exercise such as running. And here's really a great quote on her website, which really relates to her mission. And she believes, if you can't laugh at ourselves and cut the bull, we can't become better versions of who we are and who we are destined to be. So on that note, it's absolutely brilliant to have Melissa on the show. And that's when today's episode, Melissa will share her sports career journey and explain to you how a community vibe can really enhance a person's physical activity within their lifestyle. Melissa, it's great to have you on the show. Please, can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I, I would say it started uh, at a very early age. I, genetically speaking, got the cesspool of genes. Uh, my entire family was overweight by probably 100 pounds. Um, most of them were dead from heart disease, cholesterol, um, diabetes, uh, you, na- you name it. You know, um, Everybody was bionic because they got new hips, new knees, because the ones they had unfortunately gave out on them after years of, of being overweight. Um, for me, I was an emotional eater. And uh, if the day ended in why, if I was happy, if I was sad, if, uh, if, if it was sunny, if there was a cloud, it was always an excuse to eat six donuts. And um, it, that food just filled an emotional void in my life. I, uh, as a child, I, I, I share this story with millions of other people. There's nothing unique about it. I was abused, neglected, sexually abused, um, just ill-treated in every way, shape, and form. And food became my only friend, my only companion. Uh, on a Friday night, it was me and the Domino's pizza delivery guy. And um, it was a ritual. And it, there was comfort in that. There is, As you know, there's comfort in ritual. And after a while, it becomes a habit. And you look in the mirror and you think, man, the dryer keeps shrinking my pants. What is going on? I need a new dryer. So, you know, I bought a new dryer, but no, <laughs> turns out it wasn't the dryer. It was the donuts, the pizza, the cookies. And and after a while, it gets old. You look in the mirror and, y- you know, I saw a photo of myself and, you know, they always say fat girls shouldn't wear horizontal stripes. And nobody gave me that memo. And I, I looked at the 
this picture and I actually didn't recognize myself. And I thought, man, this, this girl looks a lot like one of my cousins, but this can't be me. And I thought, oh my God, this is me. I look like my dad. And, you know, and, and that wasn't a good thing. I look like my brother. They look like barrels. I, I love them both dearly. Don't get me wrong. But I thought I, I got to do something about this. And um, in the United States, I believe worldwide, actually, um, Jenny Craig is, is a weight loss program. I actually decided I, I tried to lose weight on my own. I lost about 40 pounds and I, I stalled out. I just couldn't do it anymore. I was burned out. And I thought, well, man, if, if Valerie Bertinelli could lose weight, you know, she has brown hair. I have brown hair. Kirstie Alley did it. She has brown hair. I could do it too. I got brown hair. So I drove to my my first, uh, the, the closest Jenny Craig Center. I walked in and I said to them, I need you to give me the 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 hardest consultant you have, the one who's going to look at me and call me on my BS, the one who's going to say, you're a liar. That's not why you ate that. What is going on with you? And they did. They gave me a woman who completely called me on every single excuse I had. And it was through her uh, cajoling and her support that I ended up losing a total of 110 pounds. And um, it, it, at the time, it was a great program. It was it's a, a, thought, a thoughtless program where Weight Watchers, and I know in the UK, you guys have, have something similar. Um, what is it? Slimming World, I think is what it's called. And, and, and I'm not sure the, the semantics of how that program works. But I, I have four kids. Now they're teenagers. I just needed something to pull out of the freezer, heat up and eat. I didn't want to think about it. I just wanted to know something was in my stomach that was approved and healthy. Um, so it worked for me. And it worked so well, in fact, that my Sensor nominated me without my knowledge. They called me in one day and they said, Hey, we want you to come in. And I thought, finally, they're going to buy me some cookies as a reward for losing all this weight. This is going to be amazing. We're going to have pecan pie and we're going to celebrate. And no, they said, well, we, we nominated you um, throughout all the Jenny Craig centers in the world uh, as our success story. And they picked you. And, and I just sat there and I was like, wait, you nominated me for what? And where's my cookies? <laughs> There's no cookies. And, and they nominated me to speak to all their C-level executives at their um, at their yearly conference. So they brought me into town and, you know, hair, makeup, limo, the whole nine yards. You get, you, you know, it goes to your head a little bit. You're like, I am a celebrity. Um, and I spoke to 900 people. That was the largest crowd I had spoken to. And um, after... I, I was up there for maybe an hour. I got a standing ovation. Jenny Craig herself was there and I was hooked. I thought, you know what? There is something to telling your story because to be fair, I am just a soccer mom. I am no different. I wear yoga pants. I dropped my children off this morning in pajamas and house slippers. I am just like the rest of the world that is just just disheveled and not put together. And I envy these people who, you know, I look on Twitter and they've got these glamour shots and I'm thinking, man, I wish I looked that good. Um, with hair and makeup, I could, I guess, but you know, on an everyday basis, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sloppy. So it, it, it became a passion for me because once I saw their, their reaction to my, my honesty, it was refreshing to them. They said, nobody's ever taken the time to explain the actual honesty behind the issues of weight loss and what's preventing people from doing it. And it's a very touchy subject. I'm not sure about where you're at in the UK, but here in the US, it's very touchy. You can't say the word fat. It's it's not politically correct. And um, it's it's kind of like in, in the UK, and this is probably going to go south. Uh, I apologize. You guys still call call people of Asian descent. You call them Oriental with no implication of political incorrectness. Where in the United States, if we refer to an Asian 
uh, born person as Oriental. Um, I mean, that's like the equivalent of the N word. You just can't do it. And, and, and there's so many differences, but, and I think people found that, that my talking about weight loss, I'm talking about my own journey from being fat to being healthy was refreshing to them because it gave them an opportunity to exhale and say, Oh my God, I'm not the only one. Melissa, I'm just blown away. And I'm just ecstatic you see my face you see my smile and it's so refreshing of what you've just said and firstly absolutely right I think how we use words is really important with regards to how we relate to them in social issues or even you know this word obesity as well I think in the UK it's more powerful than fat to be honest but I have to go back in time really quickly I'm so sorry and I would love to know if possible because this could relate to listeners that sort of breakthrough moment when you are honest to yourself and you realize right I'm going to take action for my health can you remember that moment before you joined the um, fitness program or health program yeah I mean to be fair it was um, it was during one of the holiday seasons and I had some company visiting in town and I had just dropped some of my children off at school and I just remember looking in the mirror that morning thinking to myself you know it's a self-esteem issue I just thought man you are ugly you just look like a pig you, you your face is fat you're not taking care of yourself you don't care I couldn't I was so big that I couldn't actually wear shoes that tied so I had to wear with no offense to Crocs I'm sure worldwide and and they are and they are lovely I must say they're my favorite shoe but they're the only shoe I could wear because I couldn't, I couldn't put my foot up to tie my own sneakers, um, and it, it was a really big issue for me. And I, and I just, I just thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to do it right now on a whim. And I knew it would be expensive. And I knew that um, I just, I had to make the investment in myself. I didn't, I didn't necessarily believe in my own ability to do it, to have success at it. But I thought, well, I'll be dead in five years if I don't try. Um, so I may as well try because, you know, I've got these four kids. I, I, I want to be at their wedding. I want to, you know, I, I, I want to grow old. I want to be happy. I want to do all these things, but I couldn't even climb the stairs in my own house without being winded. And, and, and that's a really big problem. And, and I was just, I think I became afraid. And so I think I actually cut off two lanes of traffic when I, when I turned on the GPS to find the nearest center. And I just, I sped right there and I think they weren't even open yet. I sat in the parking lot, probably ate a bagel and waited for them to open. And and I walked in and, you know, wiping crumbs off my sweatshirt. And I said, I need help. You know, I am addicted to food. I'm an emotional eater. Um, I, I don't know how to stop. I just don't know how to stop. Now, we've talked about the physical side. Out of interest, what transformation have you seen from a mental standpoint of your sort of mental toughness throughout your journey reflecting now? You know, that's a that's a huge question with so many different facets. The the mental part of the journey was was definitely a multi-step process. And, you know, in the beginning, I remember walking in after my first week and think about this. In one week, I lost nine pounds. Now, a lot of that was probably water and sodium. But I remember they, they gave me my first meal and I went back in and I said, I think there's a mistake. This was just an appetizer. And they all laughed at me. They're like, oh, no, honey, that's your dinner. And I thought, oh, shit, man, this is not going to end well. And I was so hungry. And I was, I was like, well, this can't be dinner. This is like the size of my fist. Like, where's the rest of my food? And they, they looked at me and they said, have you ever thought about having a salad? <laughs> I just thought, oh, no, <laughs> never even occurred to me. Uh, <laughs> so the, 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 it went from anguish mentally to, um, because I looked at the thought the the feet ahead of me and I thought, my God, I have to lose over a hundred pounds. This didn't happen overnight, but 
I wanted results quickly. And I wasn't really into exercise. It had never been my thing. So I wasn't really willing to get up and go run. My joke was always, if you see me running, probably follow me. Somebody's chasing us. Um, and, and, and I didn't know what to do. And, and slowly, and I say very, very slowly over the course of several years, it became empowering because as each pound came off of my body, my, my self-worth began to improve. And without getting into too much detail, I was in an extremely unhealthy marriage. Um, I was very unhappy for, you know, the last 10, 12 years, whatever it was. And, and, um, I couldn't really identify at the, at the time, couldn't identify exactly what the issue was. Part of it surely was my own, you know, um, lack of self-esteem, but at the same time, it was the way I was being treated and it wasn't how I needed to be treated. And after a while you, you learn that, um, you are worth it. You, you look in the mirror and you see yourself improving. You see the way people react to you is different because as much, I want to make this very, very clear. As much as we say in this world and everybody says, well, I don't care what you look like. Like I'm looking at you right now, super cute. People will be really nice to you just based on how you look. You're like, I want to squeeze your cheeks. But imagine if you weighed 400 pounds, your belly was hanging out and you know, you, you had on a, a, a t-shirt that wasn't big enough to cover your belly and your, and your jeans looked funny, people would not treat you the same way. And I say that nobody wants to admit it, but fat people are discriminated against in every way, shape and form in the U S North America, Europe, wherever you are perceived as lazy, uneducated, unwilling to get up and work. There are so many false perceptions about overweight people without taking into account. What if you have a medical condition? You know, what if medication that you're taking causes you to gain weight? What if, what if you have emotional issues? There's so many different issues. And so what it did for me was it really opened my eyes to, to the way people are treated in this world. And from that perspective, it made me a little bit, I would say a lot more compassionate towards other people going through that same process. So whereas when I was, when I was one of them, right. And I, and I still, when I still look in the mirror, I'm still the fat girl that that's a psychological issue. And I don't know that that will ever change. You know, I can wear a bikini. I do wear with a little old lady skirt because the bottom half doesn't look so good after all that weight loss. But, you know, I can, I can wear, you know, like that two piece and think, all right, you know what, there's people who look, you know, worse than me. So I feel like I'm okay out here. You know, I can hold my own and, you know, but it, it, the, the way people treat you is different. You are treated better. You are, you are given more dispensation. People are more likely to help you if you're in a bind, if you're on the side of the road, if you've, if your cars run out of gas, not that that's happened to me. Um, I've been offered free, free products from people when I'm out and about, Hey, take this, you know, whatever. But when you're a, and I'll, I'll just use it as an adjective, as, as an adjective, because I think a little bit of emotional cringing is what this world needs. If you are a fat person out there, you're not going to get treated that way. You're just not. And the difference to me was astounding when I went from, you know, almost 300 pounds at my lowest, I was about 137. And I could walk in and pretty much get anything I wanted anywhere I went. The way people treated you is completely different. What that did for me was open my eyes to the fact that we need to be a lot more compassionate as a human race towards people that are going through struggles because you know what there's healthy looking thinner people that have the exact same emotional issues but we don't know it because they don't wear it the same way they might be alcoholics they might bite their nails they might do different things it gave me self-confidence to go out there and tell my story tell tell my story which was cathartic for me and in doing so, what I found inadvertently and not on purpose was that a lot of people could relate to the story 
sexual abuse, neglect, um, physical abuse, uh, abandonment, all these things that happened to me throughout my childhood and my teenage years, all of a sudden I had the power to tell the story and people listened because of how I looked. People listened because I was on TV commercials with, with Kirstie Alley. People were like, oh my God, I saw you on, on TV when I was at the gym on the treadmill. Whatever you say must be important because somebody put you on TV. It, 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 anybody can go on TV. I mean, it, it was just a sheer luck of, of, of the draw, to be fair. But, but it gave me a forum on which to, to – a worldwide platform to say – Let's all help each other. I look at it as a continuum where as on a one to 10. When I started this journey, I was at a zero. I was at the very lowest of low. Okay. So I needed somebody who was at a one or a two to reach down and help pull me up just a little bit so that I could make a little bit of progress. I needed somebody to tell me, don't quit. Don't give up. You are worth it. You are okay. You have value. And when I got to that point where I was at a one, I, I reached back down to somebody that was at a zero and said, oh my gosh, you know what? I was in a size 28 pants, but now I'm in a 26. Why don't you take these pants and then you give them away when you lose your next 20 pounds? And all of a sudden, people started saying, wow, there's something to this. And long after my weight loss had um, finished, a friend of mine called me and she said, I want to challenge you to run a half marathon with me. And I laughed and I hung up on her. I thought, well, <laughs> you're stupid. And... <laughs> I hung up, I literally, I hung up the phone on her and, and I called her back the next day and I thought, this is just, just dumb enough that I'm going to do it. I'm going to go kamikaze style, never run a day in my life. Um, and even having lost the weight, I still couldn't go up my stairs without huffing and puffing. And I thought, well, why not? So I downloaded the, the uh, couch to 5k program and that, that first day where I think they have you run like what, 10 seconds. I think I called an ambulance. I said, I needed, I need those, um, AEDs. Somebody needs to come revive me. I'm pulling my sports bra off my chest. Like I can't breathe. I'm dying. And one by one, I was able to, to finish the program and, and I hated every step of it. And I, and I cussed her the whole way, but I finished it. And there was, there was some kind of, um, power that came in, in seeing what your body was capable of doing if you put your mind to it. And that was the biggest thing. And that's what I want to tell people. It's not about what you can't do physically. It's about what you can do mentally. And that's the whole shift in thinking. And if you tell me now I can't do something, I'm going to give you that middle finger. I think in, in the UK, it's the two first fingers. Um, but I'm going to tell you that's crap because you're making bad excuses. And, and the whole idea of run heifer run was born on the premise that we take no bull. Uh, sorry for the bad puns. Uh, we, we have many men in our group, so it's not a man woman thing, but we call you on the carpet. If you tell me, yeah, I can't run today. You know, I've got a headache. Well, unless you have a chest cold, go run, you know? Yeah. If you broke your foot, probably don't run. But if, if you're telling me that, well, I've had a rough day and emotionally, you know, I just don't feel like it. The whole group is going to look at you and say, no, now is the time that you actually need to go run the most to run through it and physical activity, you know, peace in every step, every, every step is a step in the right direction. And, and that's what the group was, was really built upon. And something about it resonated with people worldwide because they wanted to go to a safe place where people wouldn't accept their own BS excuses, you know? I think this is fantastic and it really relates to today's podcast topic. How important is it to build a community vibe so people have that confidence to stay physically active? 
Why? Well, yeah, I, I think it's extremely important because oftentimes, you know, in, in, especially in the, in the time of social media and this digital age, we feel that we are so connected to the world. We feel like this is the most social we've ever been, where I would actually take the opposite uh, opinion and say this is the least social we've ever been because we have this false sense of socializing with people who don't actually exist in our world. Now you exist in my world. And when I come to England next, maybe I'll come meet you. We'll have coffee and then you'll become a real person to me. But oftentimes we're dealing with people that are just names that are out there in space and they're not, they're giving us a false sense of socializing. What we need is we need boots on the ground. We need people that show up at our house at 5 a.m. and say, bitch, get your shoes on. We're going out for a run. And, and you're, and you're sitting there thinking, I hate you. I hate you. And after three miles, you feel so much better about it. And that, and, and the community that you build around yourself is key because these are the people that are going to hold you up when you fall. And for me specifically, I mean, having gone through a divorce in the last year, I needed those people that were going to be there when I fell and I did fall very hard. And I needed those people that I had built the community around me. And I'm so thankful I did because they were the people that didn't call me. They just showed up. And they just said, okay, here's what we're going to do. So you can sit there and cry, but we're still going to go for a run. So put your shoes on and let's wipe your nose and let's go. Um, and, and it's so important to build that community. So even though social media it has been a fantastic way to encourage people, I still encourage people. And within Run Heifer Run, you know, we're, we're on all the continents except Antarctica. So if you have any listeners out down at McMurdo station or anything else, we are looking for heifers in Antarctica. Not that you could go run, but you could do something together. Um, and so we have these people that get together and they just support each other. They go run, they have coffee, they talk to each other. It's, it's all about community and it's all about letting people know you are not alone, that there's always somebody out there at any, especially the, the good thing about social media, Twitter, especially as it's worldwide, you know, I'm always awake and there's always somebody else awake out there who's willing to, to listen and willing to say, no, I'm here. I can help you. And even though they might not be at my front door when you really need them, they're there. And so, so there is definitely merit and validity to, to building those communities around you that are both physical and virtual. I think that there's great, um, there's just great success to have each of those at your fingertips. Melissa, as I said before the show, I really admire the work you're doing from a global standpoint. Out of interest, what have you been up to recently? <laughs> donuts. I've been up to donuts. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, I recently, um, my my most recent race was I um, I was sponsored to go to the Himalayan mountains and do a triathlon. And I don't necessarily recommend that to people. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a kamikami a kamikaze kind of PR approach to to shift run heifer run into more of a global spotlight and it did that and um, it was it was you know I'm afraid of heights and I don't like mountain bikes and so these are I, I don't know why I chose a triathlon in the Himalayan mountains um, and that was I think I'm still recovering mentally from that it was. Um, the whole trip was kind of just crazy whirlwind, 10 days around the world kind of thing. Um, it, it took us 48 hours to get there. And and we went through China. We ended up having an emergency landing in India, but nobody on the airplane spoke English. Um, so it, it was an eye-opening experience from, from a lot of things. In the U.S., and I'm sure a lot of the people listening to your podcast have heard of um, – 
American privilege or white privilege or something like that. And and it was a very similar eye-opening experience to me when I became so agitated that nobody in the flight crew actually spoke English. And then I realized, well, why would they? I'm on China's southern air flying from, um, you know, Kathmandu to somewhere in China. Why would anybody here speak English anyway? And it, and it was very... So it was, it was an emotional trip for many reasons because I learned a lot about my inner workings and and my intestinal fortitude and what I'm made of. I um, I did come home after that. I ran the Buffalo Half Marathon. I actually spoke at their expo. Um, and and I my favorite thing is the public speaking. I mean, just to get out there and you give me a microphone and you know give me a couple hundred people and I I just I'm on fire. I love it. I'm looking for more opportunities as such. Um, so, hey, call me, uh, you know, so I, I mean, that that was the most recent race. I need to put a couple more on the books. Um, but in, in the interim, after having gone through the divorce, I wanted to get my children settled and just kind of let the dust settle and get everything um, back to normal, if you will. Um, so I haven't been doing as much running as I need to be doing. I did start working out again. And that's been really helpful for my mind. And I've built a community around myself that um they just won't take my bull. They'll call me and they'll show up and they'll say, yeah, 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 whatever. Get your shoes on. We're going. And, and, and really that's, isn't that what we all need sometimes? I mean, people say like, I like the solitude of running. Well, yes, but if you're not going to be out there running in solitude, somebody needs to go grab your butt and get you out there. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Melissa, just on a personal note with regards to your transformation, what have you enjoyed the most from the, your journey looking back right now? You know, the the perceived fame of being on TV, it was fun in the moment because I look back, my Facebook will remind me, you know, this, this day last year and everybody says, I'm on the treadmill at the gym and there's your face on TV, you know, and, and that was, I mean, that was really something that probably not a lot of people get to experience. And it was, it was so much fun to be made to feel special. I'm no more special than anybody else in this entire world. We are all the same, but the way I was treated, it was very, um, it did make me feel special. And, and that was great. The, the, the biggest thing though, it has been the ability to help other people realize their own value, their own worth in the world. Because people come to me every day. I get messages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and they say, you know, I want to do what you did, but I weigh 500 pounds. I can't even walk to the mailbox. And I'll say to them, that's okay. Can you sit in a chair? Yeah. Well, then you do 500 arm circles. That's it. You don't have to get up and do anything. You 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 know, you do what you can. There's so many things that we can modify and I'm I'm not a physical or a personal trainer. I'm not trained in this, but I do know enough to say there's no excuse and there's always something that we can do to um you know, to make ourselves better so we can start with what we're eating. I'm, I'm a firm believer that it's 80% what we eat and 20% what we do in the gym. And, you know, I, I've seen it happen. My, one of my best friends just, um, working out so, so hard, eating nothing but, you know, good solid protein and whole fats. And all of a sudden you watch, you watch this muscle appear out, out of nowhere and you're thinking, man, Okay, but it's it's good abs and 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 these things are built in the kitchen, and so the 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 best part for me has just been being able to to help motivate other people. And it, it, run have a run is not about me. That that's the biggest thing I want to make clear is that it's about you. It's about every other person in this world who needs help. We reach out, we talk to each other, we share our accomplishments, we talk about issues that we're facing, why 
why can't I do this? Or why does my knee hurt? In in the group, we have several, we have uh, nutritionists and personal trainers and running coaches and things like that. And so people are always having questions and we have at least a, a repository of people that, that are actually trained in special areas and say, oh, well, wait, have you thought about this? Or have you, have you done this? Or go to your doctor and ask this. And the, the best part about it has been watching other people achieve their own dreams and realizing their own self-worth because it's not it's not about me sharing my story was my way of saying you know this is helping me heal but in in with other people reading it they all of a sudden felt that they too were empowered to to lose the emotional baggage on carousels 1 2 and 3 and all of a sudden they were able to move forward and move past their issues. And, you know, I know in the UK, you've got the mind charity that works so hard to, to help people and, um, get, get past their, their, um, their issues. And there's so much more that needs to be done against the, the stigma, especially in the UK, but worldwide against mental health issues. And, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And I have a podcast. I co-host it with uh, Shannon. It's called Run for Your Life podcast. And we talk about that frequently. And we say it's okay to not be okay. And so many men specifically have problems admitting, you know, whether they, they have food issues or whether they have depression, anxiety. It's it's so hard for them to admit because the stigma is, um, is one that that they fight daily and, and and it shouldn't be that way. There should be equal help for everybody. And we're, we're hoping that just through our own group, you know, where we're not psychologists, psychiatrists or anything like that. But what we, what we are is we are a mighty, mighty army of people who are out there to support you and say, it's okay that you had a bad day, but don't have a bad week, you know, eat your donut, enjoy it and get over it. And tomorrow morning, have a banana and go for a run. There's no excuse to continue into this this downward spiral back to where you came from. There is worth and there is love in everybody's heart. And if we can help spread that message and let people know that they have value, because I would challenge so many of the listeners right now to look inside their heart and ask themselves truly, you know, have you ever felt worthless? And, and, and what, and how did that manifest itself? Because we wear our inner problems on the outside, many of us, and obesity is just one of those ways. Anorexia is the same. It's, it's the same root issue, right? But it's just a different manifestation. Bulimia, same thing. Um, but if we can help each other achieve self-worth by being a support group and by doing nothing other than saying, I'm here for you, my God. Why are why is everybody not doing that? Why? Melissa, you've just highlighted so many important points and you're absolutely right about self-worth. And I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. Now, what advice would you give to university students who want to work with regards to physical activity? Uh, I, I would say be persistent. You know, the, the market right now appears, at least in the US, I'm not I'm not an expert by any means, but it is oversaturated with uh, people becoming personal trainers, fitness instructors. I would say if it's truly your dream to help people, don't give up. You do what you have to do like a pit bull on, you know, a pig bone or whatever you want to, you know, however you want to go at it. Don't give up. Do not give up your dream because somebody tells you it's not possible. That's crap. You know what? 
that's absolute crap. You look at all these world world weight heavyweight champions or whatever. Many of them were told you'll never go anywhere. Um, you know, and, and look at them. So many successful people. You know, who was it who was, was it Einstein who was kicked out of school, told that he had a learning disability and he would never become anything? If if, if you have a dream and you truly are motivated to help other people, don't you dare give up that dream because you owe it to the world to give back your talent. And if that is your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. You will absolutely love your job if that is truly what you want to do in your passion. Don't you dare give up. And if you think about giving up, call me and I'll lecture you on why you shouldn't give up. <laughs> I hope the listeners are listening to that. Melissa, how can people interact with you online? Well, I'm pretty much everywhere. They can find me on Twitter. It's at Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, con, K-A-H-N-7, the number seven. And they can also go on Facebook. There are two, there's a Run Heifer Run page and a Run Heifer Run group. And they can also find me on Instagram at the same name, Run Heifer Run. We also have a website, runheiferrun.com. We do have merchandise. Um, We have a little mascot. It's a little plastic or it's like a foam cow. And we've named her Heifer Bell. And Heifer Bell is on six of seven continents in the world. And people send photos. And so we have Heifer Bell who made it to uh, Camp 3 of Mount Everest. Um, She almost summited but unfortunately, her human uh, had to turn back based on weather. But Heifer Bell has been everywhere from Panama to Mount Everest and back again. Um, and we encourage people. It's just a way to stay connected, to share your story. And um, we highlight different heifers. We we post pictures in our shirts when we run races together as groups. And, you know, find me online. Message me. I... I respond if you're in if you're in um, North America, you can text the word run to nine nine eight eight eight. And every day you will get a motivate. We call it a motivational <laughs> bad cow joke. So you get a, a motivational message sent right to your cell phone in North America um, every single day at 12 noon Phoenix time. There's you can reach me any of those ways. You can reach me at Melissa at run run dot com. Um, I, and I do, I respond to every message I get. I, people say, oh, I can't believe you took the time to respond. I am just another person. They say, well, but you're, you know, you're the head heifer, right? But I put my pants on the same way you do. And some days I don't even wear them. I just wear jammies all day. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. All I did was just, I got, I got angry enough at myself to say enough already. And people were paying attention and they said, wait, I like what you're doing. I want to be a part of this. That's how it grew. It, it grew very organically. And we are always looking for people to get on board and I'm um, looking for opportunities to speak to other people, groups about it. Um, and, and really just to let people know that it's okay to not be okay, but there's always a way out and there's always support. And we are here to help. That's it's, at the end of the day, that's, it's, it's all about helping each other in this world because this world needs more kindness and compassion and a lot less judgment. And that's what we're all about. We're a judgment free zone. And, you know, if you want to post selfies every day, and if you don't want to post selfies every day, if you want to tell us about your run or why it sucked or why it was great, we're here to comment and support that's what we're all about. And um, I, I encourage all of your university students, if this is truly your passion, go after it with the tenacity of a bulldog and don't let anybody stop you. Because if that's what you want to do with your life, man, you, you have an obligation to humanity to go make it better.
You absolutely do. That is great. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Melissa, you've just blown me away today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. What an unbelievable podcast chat with Melissa. For me, I've got pretty much goosebumps listening to that podcast because there are so many learning lessons. And the biggest learning lesson I've taken from Melissa and her fascinating journey is her personality. And it's her personality which has made an impact to others with regards to their own health. And yes, this is a sports career related podcast show. But sport is more than just helping the elite side of sport, such as athletes. It also has an impact with regards to our lives and how we want to make an impact with regards to our careers and also with regards to our own humanity of health. For me, this is a big area which is missing with regards to how we apply ourselves from a physical activity perspective to get other people inspired to take ownership of their own health. And I really wanted to highlight that now because you can make a difference right now with the people around you who might be struggling and you don't know, but with your support and your persistence, I think that's really important, especially when Melissa said there are times in life you need that person who really gets rid of the bull, gets rid of those excuses of getting active or eating slightly more healthier with regards to the food choices. This all has an impact on how we perform in a working environment. And I just, again, want to highlight so many learning lessons from this interview, which you can apply to your sports career ambitions today. So look, take action today. Be mindful with your health and really inspire others to be physically active like you. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Melissa said, I encourage you to go after your passion with the tenacity of a bulldog and don't let anybody stop you because you have the obligation to humanity to go and make a difference in that line of work. <laughs>